When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Let's get right into it. Got the call last night's Rangers 3-2 shootout loss to the Red Wings. Again, the Rangers get off to slow starts. We're going to have Gerard Gallant on the Michael K Show later on today, and we got to discuss with him how he feels about the 16 come-from-behind victories, which is the most in the NHL. And the Rangers almost pulled it off last night. It would have been their 17th. Is that a good stat? You know, it's a good stat that you show heart, that you're never out of a game. But when you fall behind that often, you're, you're, you're kind of going to the well too many times. And it does, does show you that there's a lot of games in which this team gets off to slow starts. Their first periods have been poor. Second period gets better, and they've been great in the third. But that's a recipe for disaster if you're going to get off to slow starts every single night. So they're going to have to try to get that going. Shostorkin again, terrific. Zabanajad power play goal, also awesome. And I got to tell you, I'm really, really impressed with Tomas Grice. You know, Detroit is a good young team. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to run out of road, but they've got a bright future. Uh, Lucas Raymond's a stud. Um, Sider is a very good defenseman. Larkin is really coming into his own. He scored like almost every game this season. He's got 26 tallies on the year. Um, Bertuzzi's very good. Um, Zadina's also very good. They're a terrific, terrific hockey team that I think is really building sort towards something. The other thing was Mark Stoll returning to Madison Square Garden, got a great reception, and he played pretty well. I, I think he'll be trade bait once Detroit's officially eliminated, which may happen before the deadline. I'd love to see him play in the postseason. And Mark Stoll was such a good player for the Rangers. You know, was he Brian Leach? Was he Ryan McDonough? No, but I'll tell you what he was. He was steady, played 892 games as a Ranger. Only five other players made, played more games than him as a Ranger. Uh, 107 playoff games. Only two other Rangers played more playoff games than him. And just a terrific, terrific player. And I just remember him down the stretch when the Rangers were bringing in all those young defensemen and he was the veteran and they had traded McDonough away and he was, and Girardi was gone and he was the lone wolf, right? He was the mother hen that had to babysit all of these young defensemen that were coming up, you know, the, the D'Angelo's and, and the high acts and had to babysit those young guys when they were coming up. And he did such a terrific job. And I'm glad that the Rangers gave him a, a video salute and, and the fans serenaded him a little bit. Wasn't like Jockerman returning with the Red Wings, but it was, a, it was up there as a pretty cool moment. Uh, good job by Detroit as they get the victory and the Rangers do earn a point. Uh, in the standings, and, and that helps them as they stay in third place with 67 points. They are right now just three points back of Pittsburgh with two games in hand. Pittsburgh lost last night. We'll go over that in just a second. So Rangers hanging in there with games in hand because of the two weeks they didn't play. 
Islanders needed it and they got it. They topped the Bruins four to one. They trailed one nothing after one. Taylor Hall scored late in the first period, but Pajot midway through on the power play goal ties it. Dobson early in the third gives the Islanders the lead. They would never look back as as Barzell and Nelson finish it off. Nelson with the empty netter. Um, I, I, time is running out for the Islanders. Obviously, they sit with 42 points to Boston's 58. So you're 16 points out of a playoff spot with only four games in hand. But Boston is going through their issues, obviously, with Bergeron out, and uh, he should be back soon. And then, of course, Marchant, when he's done with his suspension, which I think only has two games left. But So they're going to get healthier. It's probably just not going to be enough time for the Islanders, but they did go head-to-head to get Boston needed it. They got the win. Capitals, they topped the Flyers by the final score of 5-3. to three. Snively has become a really nice story for uh, the Washington Capitals. He got a chance to make his debut last week in the NHL, and he's made an immediate impact. Scored two goals in his first NHL game, and he pops in last night and does a great job um, scoring uh, last night for the Washington Capitals. And, and so far, he's been a nice infusion. He's 26 years old, so you know he's a career minor leaguer finally getting his opportunity. And he's played nine games of the NHL. He's got four goals, three assists, and seven points. So that's not bad when you consider you know he really hasn't had a chance to do anything in the National Hockey League. Finally, at 26, he gets his chance, and he's making an impact. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Leafs beat the Penguins 4-1, to one, but you know don't blame um, the Penguins. They had 46 shots on goal they just could not uh, crack the code of the, the Toronto netminder and that ended up being it four to one was the final score Matthews gets his 33rd of the year um, Bunting also scores Bunting's a very underrated play, play for this team and Campbell makes 45 saves in the victory so Pittsburgh opens the door a little bit for Carolina tonight and, of course, the Rangers last night to try to gain some ground. Ten-game unbeaten streak, or a winless streak for the Canadians finally comes to an end. Martin St. Louis gets his first victory as the Canadians beat the Blues in overtime 3-2. to two. This was big for a bunch of reasons, but Cofield, who's had such a, a, a turbulent rookie season, I actually had him winning the Calder. But then he got it sent down. Now he's back up. He scores his fifth goal. Scores it in overtime. So the Canadians get a big win over the Blues. Senators trying to stay alive. They have a 3-1 victory over the Buffalo Sabres. They're shorthanded. Uh, but Kachuk does get his 16th of the season. Winnipeg starting to warm up a little bit. Uh, they're getting hot. It might be too little too late for them. But they have won a couple in a row. Lost just four in regulation over their last 10 as they pick up the win over Seattle. So Winnipeg right now is with 52 points. They're three points back of the Kings for that second wild card. And they both played 48 games. So still mathematically alive there. 
And if you want to see if they can jump to St. Louis, St. Louis has got 62 points. So that's a 10-point cushion, both having played 48. So Winnipeg's best shot will be for the wild card if they can get there. Um, good win for the Blue Jackets, 7-4 over the Chicago Blackhawks. That's the final score there as both teams playing out the string. But Line A does get the hat trick. Uh, and the Blackhawks get beat up pretty good. No flurry in this one. We'll still see if he ends up getting dealt. Edmonton just does not know how to lose with the brand-new head coach. They put up a touchdown on the Ducks, 7-3, 41 shots on goal in this one. And they beat a Duck team that's starting to come back down to earth. You know, the Ducks have played so many one-goal games. You wonder if that's going to eventually kind of rear its ugly head as we get down the stretch of the season. A couple of points for McDavid, a couple of points for McLeod uh, in this one as they spread the wealth pretty well in a 7-3 to victory. And Kane continues to be a really nice story for this uh, Edmonton team. I know he drives a lot of people crazy. He's not an easy guy to like, but he ended up picking up uh, his fourth goal of the season. Dry sidle lights the lamp. For the 34th time, he now takes over the goal, scoring lead um, as he's battling with Matthews and with with um, Kreider. Kreider still with 33, Matthews with 33. So Dreisaitl now takes the lead with 34 points. And the Canucks win in overtime over the Sharks by the final score of 5-4. to four. And it would be J.T. Miller, his 18th goal in overtime that snaps the tie and wins it for Vancouver. Vancouver's right around where Winnipeg is. They've got 52 points, but they've played 50 games. So they've got uh, to make up some ground, and they've got games. uh, Everybody's got games in hand on them. So they might run out of road as well. And what's interesting about J.T. Miller is that Miller is probably going to get traded and boy, would he look sexy going back to the Rangers. He really would. And he's having such a phenomenal season for Vancouver. It's just that they probably want to use as much time as possible to see that they're not going to make it before they pull the trigger. The deadline's still a month away, but you look at the 50 games played, you look at how many games uh, points they're out. Again, they're only three points out, but the Kings have two games in hand. Um, it's going to be tough, but I, I, I do think... If the Rangers are going to make a deal like that, they're going to have to wait for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think Vancouver's going to hold on to Miller. And also, if they're going to give up Miller, they're going to ask for a lot now as opposed to when you get closer to the deadline. So it would probably be good for the Rangers or anybody else for that matter to kind of just wait it out. All right, well, it's Friday. You know what Friday means. Don LaGreca's Friday Top 5. Always a lot of heavy lifting with this, and Pittsburgh did lose last night in 5-2-3 in their last 10, but I still have them in the top five. I don't know how they're doing it um, because... Number five. They just know how to put it together with Mike Sullivan, the best coach in the NHL. Now, they played 51 games, which is right up there amongst the most in uh, the Inchster Conference, certainly in their division. But they have played very, very well, and they are deserving of being number five. And Jari has continued to play well for them. I think that's the biggest surprise, the goaltending that they're getting. Number four. Toronto's warming up 8-2 and two in their last 10. They've won a couple of games in a row. Matthew's been red hot. Marner's been red hot. Whoever the goaltender is for them still seems to be great. Campbell was terrific last night. Toronto's starting to warm up a little bit. I've got them at four. 
number three. You know, it's hard not to have Florida at three, seven and three in their last ten, plus fifty six goal differential is right now the second best in the National Hockey League. And boy, does this team know how to score. Barkoff is just having an amazing season for them. Just when it looks like they might tail off just a little bit, they get it back going. This is a legit, legit good team. You saw how good they were coming back, beating Carolina in overtime the other night. Florida Panthers at number three. Number two. Only two losses in their last 10. The Tampa Bay Lightning, the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, their goal differential is only at plus 30. You know that's going to rise. They've won a couple of games in a row already. This Tampa team's really, really starting to warm up, and they're only going to get healthier. Tampa, I have at number two. Number one. Yep, still the Avalanche again, plus 58 goal differential, best in the NHL, 8-1-1 in their last 10. They did lose a game at home, but only their third of the season. You know, Ranton in back healthy, Landeskog's been healthy for them. God, it's such a good team. And listen, the goaltending is always going to be a huge question mark. And Francois was not good uh, the other the other night against Dallas, but they bounced right back, go with Kemper, blanks Vegas, uh, shutting down Vegas with Eichel's return to the NHL. They just answer every question. They answer every bell. So that is the top five. Want to get into it with me? Best way to do it is at Don LaGreca. Hashtag game misconduct. Who are you taking out? All right. Now let's hear from you. At Don LaGreca. Hashtag game misconduct. I can't believe I got into it with a guy. I had mentioned, because we had talked about it with EJ back on Wednesday, that I thought when it was all said and done that Sidney Crosby will be the third best player in the history of the NHL. And I got a guy that jumped me. I want to find his tweet so I can give him credit because he didn't he didn't label it hashtag game misconduct because he just wanted to chime in because he was listening to the K show. He probably didn't even know about the podcast. So I'd have to find it. But anyway, he was ripping me a new one for saying that Sidney Crosby could be the third best player in the history of the NHL. And he said he's not even the third best player in the history of the Penguins. He said Lemieux was better. Yager was better, Malkin was better, and then he said Francis was better. Here it is. D.E. Zachary. All right? I want to get the full effect here. For the record, one Lemieux, two Yager, three Malkin, four Francis, then him. Just on Penguins. Don LeGreca, I can't believe you said three ever, huh, bro? All said and done, let's just say 20 years from now, Ovechkin's three, Hull four, McDavid 5, Lemieux 6, Matthew 7, then maybe 8. Shake my head. I'm sorry. I don't know I don't know what you're looking at. I, I tweeted back to him and I said, listen, if you've got Ron Francis over Sidney Crosby, we got nothing to talk about. And I loved Ron Francis. He was a great, gutty, gritty player, scored a ton of points in Hartford and in Pittsburgh as a young player in a much different NHL. Great center, great face-off guy, great leader. It's not Sidney Crosby. Malkin's not Sidney Crosby. You want to say Lemieux? Okay, it's hard to argue, but I will. Now, you always go by goals. He's better than Yarmir Yager. Yarmir Yager was a goal scorer and a heck of a goal scorer. Right now, third greatest goal scorer in the history of the NHL with 766, soon to be passed by Alexander Ovechkin. But could he win a faceoff like Crosby? Could he dangle like Crosby? Is he as smart as Crosby, the vision of a Sidney Crosby? There's a lot of intangibles that comes with Sid's game. And I know he's not the most popular guy in the world. I get that. 
and he's a diver, and he's a complainer. I get all that, but he, he works it to his advantage. Sidney Crosby is an amazing, an amazing player. Just don't look at 500 goals and go, oh, he's got as many goals as Lanny McDonald, so he must not be that great. Give me a break. There's plenty of guys that have scored a lot more goals. Dino Cicerelli scored more goals. Mike Gartner scored more goals. You think those guys are shining Sidney Crosby's shoes? Stop it. And believe me, as a Ranger guy... I'm not in any kind of position to sit here and tell you that, you know, going to go sing Kumbaya about, you know, Sid the Kid. But give me a break. Ron Francis? All right, I got that out of the way. Tim says, how important is the either coaches or general managers to have an established relationship with their players from development to pro level? It seems that Woodcroft has connected with the young guns in Edmonton in a way Tippett simply couldn't, specifically their D's. Let me tell you about some of the of these old school coaches, and, and it went back to the Scotty Bowman days. Scotty Bowman always had his assistants, and those were the guys that did the heavy lifting. Bowman really didn't have a lot of dialogue with his players. He let the Tim Lewises of the world kind of deal with them, and that's kind of how McClellan was, and that's kind of how Tippett is, and the guys that work behind the scenes they're the ones that really have the dialogue with the players. And I really think that Edmonton really connected with this hire because they knew him so well. He had been around the team for a long time. So there was a connection. And I think this was a great hire. Now, were they on their way to winning four in a row anyway? Maybe. But um, I don't think it's any kind of coincidence. And I'm glad he got this opportunity. He did a heck of a job as an assistant in San Jose. Equal in Edmonton. He's getting an opportunity. And now the Oilers have find themselves as one of the hottest teams in the league and can be very dangerous. Troy says, hey, Don, just wanted to chime in about concussion protocol. I believe the current procedure could use some tweaking, but I'm all for pulling the guy in the middle of the game. I see the players like a boxer. They won't know they need to stop until it's too late. I get that. It was a frustrating moment on Tuesday for the Rangers. They won the game anyway, so it didn't matter. But, hey, why, why couldn't you see it right after the initial contact? Pull him off the ice. You see he hit his head. I mean, I didn't see him, like, hunched over or stumble at all. It almost just seemed like it took them a while to get their ducks in a row with the video replay. And once they did, play had continued. They weren't going to stop play to get him off until there was a stoppage. Then there was with 40.1 seconds to go. They removed him. I just thought it was kind of clunky. I thought it could have been handled better, but it ended up working out. And again, we'll have Gallant on coming on the Michael K Show, and I'll ask him if that timeout in overtime with six seconds left was to buy a little bit more time for Shesterkin. James says, hey, Don LeGreck, I love the show. With the trade deadline approaching, who do you see as a good partner for the Rangers? There's been talk about JT Miller and the Habs, but Vegas is under cap pressure, and with Lerner uh, injured, Georgiev might be a nice trade piece. Oof. I don't know. I don't know what um, Leonard's situation is. Um, they probably would love to get Georgiev. Doesn't make a ton of money. They can fit him under the cap. Who would you want? Who would Vegas allow you to get? I mean, would you love a Riley Smith? Of course you would. He'd be great to bring over here. I don't know if they would do that. Good question. But the JT Miller, a lot of uh, momentum building towards it. He played here before, but... You know, you got all these young defensemen, and they all can't play. All right, so Nemeth is going through his situation. So Jones has had to play with Schneider, and all they, I think they played very well. So what does that mean for Jared Tenorti? What does that mean for Nils Lundqvist? 
You know, so not everybody can play. You start to get eight, nine, ten deep. It's it's probably time to start thinking about making some deals. But I don't think they're right yet to make one. Uh, St. Rangers says, why do the Rangers consistently start out games flat? The coach and players all acknowledge this, but it persists. It's weird. It's frustrating because they acknowledge it. Um, we, we have a walk-off interview at the end of the first period every game, if unless they're getting crushed. And we ask the players, and they're all the same thing. Yeah, we're trying to be a little too cute. You know, we got to get off to better starts. And they always seem to start to play better. I'm not sure what it is. I, I really don't know. And if they knew, they probably would stop from doing it. But um, uh, they've got to figure it out. Now they'll get a little bit more practice time here. Back from the break, they'll play Sunday in Ottawa, and then they will not play again until Thursday at home against Washington. So they'll get a little bit more practice time. Maybe Gallant will have a chance uh, to work on that a little bit. Uh, Dick says the Dallas Stars look listless and inconsistent. It's clear the window is closing for Ben and Sags. They brought big. They bought big with Suter. They didn't extend Klingberg. How much of the Stars' underperformance and inconsistency? has to do with their coaching. Well, listen, he did a great job when he was first brought in. He's been around forever. But you just wonder, do you need to bring in somebody else? And every time we say that, Dallas will rattle off four in a row. That's just kind of how maddening the stars have been. But I do think at some point, uh, as much as I'm a fan, that Rick Bonus might be the guy that uh, ends up taking the fall of this team, ends up uh, missing the playoffs. Uh, David B., are the Oilers waking up, and is this a scary prospect for the rest of the Western Conference? Uh, yeah, it, it could be scary, but is their goaltending good enough? Listen, they can score, but when you get to the playoffs, you're going to need to do more than just score. They're going to have to defend, so they're going to have to get Duncan Keith back, and they're going to have to get goaltending. Now, they're in third place in the Pacific Division. They sit just five points back at Calgary, although Calgary's got a game in hand. They're in really good shape for making the playoffs. They've won four in a row. Their home record has been okay, not great. I think there's still work to be done, but yeah. They've got enough goal scoring there that in a given series, they could be dangerous. But this team has been good for a long, long time, and yet we have not seen this team get out of the first round but once since they went to the Stanley Cup Final in 2006. So they've got to do a better job than that. C asked the question, is Calgary a real threat to win the Cup? I say yes. You know, we talked about this with EJ on Wednesday. They've got the goaltending, check. They've got four lines they can roll, check. You love their blue line, all right? They can be inconsistent at times, and maybe somebody out there will say, well, I don't know if Markstrom in a big spot is going to be able to win, but he's having a heck of a year. And Calgary has been red, red hot. Uh, I consider them uh, to be in the top five. They've won eight in a row, nine and one in their last ten. It's just they're so far behind everybody else as far as like being in consideration for one of the top teams uh, in the NHL with their 62 points. But they're in first place in a wide-open Pacific Division, and their plus 52 goal differentials legit. So I think they can. Now, there hasn't been a Canadian team to win a Stanley Cup since 93, but Calgary's one of those teams that tried. You know, they did go to the Stanley Cup Final in 04 uh, since then, and um, they'd love to be able to get an opportunity to do it again. I'd love to see it myself because it's been a while since Calgary's been a legitimate threat 
uh, to win a championship. All right, this is a lot of fun. I'll be back again on Monday. Hopefully, we'll be able to hook up with EJ Raddick then. Um, I know it's a holiday for a lot of people, so I'll get the lay of the land as far as um, if EJ is going to be available or not. So I'll probably tweet if there's going to be any adjustments to the podcast on Monday. So we will talk to you again next week. Want to get in touch with me at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. I'll be on the pre and post on Sunday for the Rangers and the Senators. So we'll talk to you on then from the Rangers side of things, but we'll be back with you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.